eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, as far as Saturday's game is concerned, Saturday was very weird because I went to a baby shower. So I started this Met game, a 4 o'clock game, at about 11 o'clock at night. So you talk about being on delay. I was on delay, man. So all my anger... And I run into this problem. I want to tweet out first guesses, but you can't first guess something that happened eight hours ago because everybody who sees my tweets would say, well, that doesn't make sense because this happened. Or they'd say, well, of course you're saying that. That happened. So I keep them to myself or I save them for the Rico Bronya that we do a few days later. So we'll get through those. Obviously, Saturday was the Austin Gomber versus Tyler McGill game in which Tyler McGill couldn't have started the game any worse because he threw four straight pitches to start it and walked Charlie Blackman. And then I think he threw two more to Randall Grichik. So he, it was six for six right out the gate. And then he hit Chris Bryant. And then eventually when it looked like he was going to get through the first inning, which has been the Tyler McGill bugaboo all season long. So despite how off his command was, he's an out away from getting through the inning and Elias Diaz gets that RBI single, which felt like a real kick in the balls. And then the Met offense responds. Like, oh, all of a sudden we have ourselves a little bit of a pulse. Brandon Nimmo's got an infield hit. Francisco Lindor's ripping a double down the line. Lindor is so weird. His only hits are extra base hits. So it's good, but he doesn't get enough of them. Alonzo at least has a productive ground out that gets him a run. And the Mets do something they never do. They scored a run in the first inning. Almost fell out of my chair. It's like, holy crap, this is amazing. McGill, though, who <laughs> is very shaky, gives up the back-to-back hits in the second inning. Blackman gets a sack fly. The run's given right back. Then the Mets come back in the third inning. Francisco Alvarez gets a base hit. Brandon Nimmo gets a base hit. And then we saw something fascinating. So, again, let's go back to this. It's the bottom of the third inning. It's 2-1 to one Colorado. We are very early in this game. The Mets just got back-to-back hits from Francisco Alvarez and Brandon Nimmo. They have first and second, nobody out, and the batter Starling Marte. Starling Marte did something that I didn't hate. I'm not ripping it, but it shows you where his confidence is. 
He laid down a sacrifice bunt. That's what he did. Starling Marte, who a year ago, I think we would have been screaming at this decision, saying, come on, dude, drive the runs in. You know, the Mets may need a lot of runs in this game to win. It's not like Tyler McGill is Cy Young all of a sudden, and he lays down a bunt, and it's productive. And now the Mets have second and third one out, and they actually got a run on an out when Lindor grounded out. So from that standpoint, it worked because it directly led to the Mets tying the game, but it showed you where this guy's confidence is right now. That call is not coming from the bench. It's not coming from Buck. That's coming from Marte saying, I don't think I'm getting a hit. I struck out my first at-bat. I've been a mess. I'm lost at the plate. Whether it's health, whether it's a slump, look, none of us can really answer that. Only Starling can. But that bunt, again, not a bad baseball play. I don't hate it. I'm sure some people listening hate it, so you can't give that out away. I didn't mind it only because, hey, I got my RBI guys up with second and third one out. It's not the worst thing in the world, but I also don't hate it because Marte's been so bad. So I'm not believing Marte's ripping a double up the alley. You may say he should believe that, and he's getting paid as a player that should do that. I'm just telling you as a fan watching this game, seven hours on delay, I'm thinking to myself, hey, it's at least it's a productive out. What do you think of that? Is that a sign of lack of confidence from Starling? It's a sign of you, I think, said it last time on the Rico or on air with Craig. I-L, Marte, give him a rest, bring up my yeah, well, Mauricio. And that's just to give, it's twofold. It brings you a right. hot bat, and it also gives you, give Marte a break. He needs so to Buck tries out. this on a minor level because he sat him on Sunday in the finale of the series, and then the Mets have an off day Monday. So they're trying the Aaron Boone special, the back-to-back off day, to see if it gets him going. And we'll see if it does. I mean, hopefully it does. But I thought that bunt, Kind of showed you a lot about his confidence. And then McGill gets through the fourth, puts a couple of guys on base in the fifth inning. This is where it's tough as a manager because McGill's pitch count's high, but it's not really about the pitch count. It's about do you trust him to get through the fifth inning? Because at this point, it's a 2-2 game. He issues back-to-back walks to Gritchick and Bryant, and now you got C.J. Crone and Elias Diaz coming up. He strikes out C.J., And now Diaz, two on, two out, fifth inning, pitch count in the low 90s. I agree with Buck for keeping him in, only because I don't feel like my bullpen options are that much better. He had Steven Nagosik warming up. So I know Nagosik's, for the most part, been good when he's pitched, hasn't really been in high-leverage situations. You don't have McGill trying to get a win here, obviously, because it's a tie game. But that fifth inning is kind of like that benchmark you're trying to get past. I didn't hate him keeping him in the game. I think it just comes down to Tyler McGill's got to make a better pitch. And on two and one, Diaz hits one up the middle. Rockies take the lead. Then he gets him out of the game and goes to Steven Nagosek. I I think sometimes you got to push your guys. And McGill, to this point, had been able to make mostly the big pitch to get through trouble. So it's it's an absolute first guess if you had it at the time. I just think right now, you know, unless I had, and he, and he wasn't, Adam Adovino warming up or Drew Smith warming up, but he's not that early in the game in the bottom of the fifth or top of the fifth inning, I just think that McGill is probably as good an option as Nagosik or Leon or anyone else of that nature in that spot would be. And Diaz came through. Guys had a great year. It gave the Rockies the lead. 
and then we watched an offense do absolutely nothing. And that was the story of the game. Now, they did give up a couple of runs in the sixth inning. Nagosik did when Tovar hit a two-run home run, which made it a three-run game. But looking at the Met offense from the fifth inning on, let's see what they did. They got a walk from Alvarez, led to nothing. A one-out single from Alonzo led to nothing. Went down one, two, three in the seventh against the immortal Jake Bird. They had a two-out rally in the eighth with a single from Lindor, a walk from Alonzo, and then he goes to Jeff McNeil as the tying run in the bottom of the eighth inning. His choices at that point are McNeil, Guillaume, or Vogelbach. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I agree with going to McNeil. McNeil's more of a power hitter than Vogelback is. Like, who, who are we kidding? Daniel Vogelback's an on-base guy. He's not a slugger as much as he may look like one. And McNeil had a terrible at-bat. Terrible at-bat. Struck out, I think it was on three pitches to Jake Bird. They do nothing in the ninth inning. But we do see Buck make interesting choices in the ninth inning. It's a three-run game. You're facing Pierce Johnson. So it's not impossible that the Mets can't orchestrate a comeback. Mark Canna gets a one-out single, and now Escobar and Alvarez are due to hit. And so Buck makes the decision to go to Luis Guillorme for Escobar and then Vogelback for Alvarez. And I'll tell you why I hate it. Why I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, and it makes no sense. In my opinion, Pete, you chose. This is what he did, even though it wasn't direct, but I'll explain why. He chose Luis Guillorme over Francisco Alvarez. That's the decision he made. Because... You could pinch at Escobar, which I have no problem with, especially hitting lefty, with Vogelbach, who, again, no matter what anybody says about him, he gets on base. The numbers are the numbers. He's on base 40% of the time. You're down by three runs at this point with a runner on first and one out in the ninth inning. All I want is a base runner. That's all I want. I don't give a a two-run home run. I could argue is worse. It kills the rally. Just get me a base runner. It's the ninth inning. So you go to Luis Guillorme instead of Daniel Vogelback? Because I'll tell you why. Let's say Vogelback comes up and does what he does very well. He draws a walk. Let's just say, let's walk us through it. He does what he does and draws a walk. Well, now all of a sudden, I got the tying run at the plate. Are you not letting Alvarez hit? Are you not saying, hey, Francisco, you got some pop. You've hit one home run this season. Go ahead. Hit me a three-run home run. And if you don't, by the way, I got Nimmo on deck. But instead, he goes to Guillaume, who's not a very good hitter right now. You want to say he's better than Escobar? Okay, fine. Whatever. They both suck. I would have had Vogel back and then let Alvarez hit. Like, Francisco Alvarez has been hitting. He's been better over the last couple of weeks. He got off to a very difficult start upon being called up. Now, he's not tearing the cover off the ball, but he's hitting. He's getting hits here and there. Like, if you look at his numbers over the last, let's say, week and a half, he's productive, and he's more productive than those other options. So I did not get that at all. I thought it was it made no sense going Guillaume for Escobar and then Vogelback for Alvarez. I, I, 
Just go to Vogelback for Escobar and then let Francisco Alvarez hit for himself. I hated that move by Buck in the ninth inning. Hated it. Hated and, it. And, and this is the reason why I hate Vogel. And I, I don't mean hate as like, you know, please, you know, I want the worst things to happen to you. But I hate Daniel Vogelback for this. If he does get on base, if they did sub him in, you need to then pr- bring Guillermo in anyway for, because he can't run the bases. So he's basically a one-dimensional player. Player He gets on base, and then that's it. I understand you're right. Francisco Alvarez, if he gets a home run, it solves the whole problem. But he's just not that good. I don't care how many times he gets on base. He, he can't do anything with it. He is a better baseball player or can help this offense more than a handful of guys on this roster right now. He's not fast, but in that spot, I'm down by three runs. I don't care if he's fast. Just get on base. I don't even really need to pinch run for him because his run doesn't mean anything. Remember, I'm using him for Escobar. I'm not using him for Alvarez. I'm using him to get on base so I could get the tying run to the plate. Now, I can't argue that he isn't, like, versatile. He's not. He's a DH. He can't play many other positions. He doesn't run. He's not hit for a lot of pop despite that meaningless home run on Sunday. But he can draw a walk. Luis Guillorme does not draw a walk. Eduardo Escobar doesn't do anything right now. So I'm just looking at my menu of options. We could break down the roster, and we will probably later on at some point on what you can do. I'm looking at my menu. So here's my menu on Saturday night in the ninth inning. I got Vogelbach. I got Guillorme. I got Nito. Or I have the guys who are already in the game, which is Escobar and Alvarez. Given my menu options, I'm sorry. Vogelbach is a better option than Guillaume. He's a better option than Escobar. He's a better option than Nito. He's getting an at-bat in a more productive situation than where they used him. So I'm not arguing about all that other stuff about him. I'm just talking about that specific moment and that specific situation. He made a hell of a lot more sense to pinch it for Escobar than Luis Guillaume did. That's my point. That, and that that's fine, but you're right. Alvarez needs to get that bat there. What the hell are we doing with him? Like what? And I, again, this is a lot of fingers being pointed now at Buck because you're taking the bat out of soon-to-be superstar's hand because you don't trust him. But Buck, guess what? There's no one on this team to trust anyway. They all suck. So give somebody an opportunity. You know what? And here's the thing is people they all say, well, they do. They really do. And you have guys who are anemic offensively right now. Alvarez has always found a way. He's he's figured it out in AAA. It's taken some time. He'll get there. I'm sorry. His at-bats are still more productive than anything we had last year at catcher. So please. Yeah. Do- the other thing is with him, like, we've seen progress where he's playing two out of three games. Now he's just got to play every day. And if there's a day game after night game, fine, but just stick him out there every day. And the only reason I guess Nito will continue to play is because of the Sanga issue. Like I wish that, because here's the funny thing. When you look at these three games, you could have had your catcher play all three games. You had a seven o'clock game, a four o'clock game and a one o'clock game. There really wasn't a quote unquote day game after night game. I mean, unless you want to look at Saturday into Sunday as a day game after night game, you could have played Alvarez all three games. You could have. But I think they are afraid of having him catch Nito, uh, having him catch Senga. But our eyes and the pitch framing numbers can't be lying to us. We watch Francisco Alvarez. 